Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering Mrs. Winterborn. Enjoy the episode. Jeff. Yeah, hi. Uh, your birthday was July, is in July, right? Yes. That would mean you were born in the summer. Yes. Making you summer born. Oh, get the fuck out. <laughs> every day. Every fucking day. <laughs> Cracking himself up, folks. We are like 30 seconds into this episode. I just have to tell the audience. I just have to tell the audience that we had just finished recording Kids in the Hall of Brain Candy, okay? We had just finished recording the episode for Brain Candy, and like Jeff and I, like we always take like a quick little five minutes in between each recording. Yeah. And so I tell Jeff, it's like, okay, you ready to do Mrs. Winterborn recording? It's like, yeah, sure. So we sit down. You know, I start recording. He does the intro, and then I hit pause on that recording, and then I hit... And then right before I hit record for the full episode, I ask, uh, hey, Jeff, um, you were born... Um, like, when were you born? And he's like, July 10th. I'm like, okay, great. I hit record. The first, and then that's what you hear. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I went with yeah. for the intro. Jesus Christ! Oh. <laughs> All right, um, for the audience that still remains, I understand if there are none of you. Um, oh my God! Welcome to our episode on Mrs. Winterborn. Winterborn, which is our uh, our next leading Travolta or uh, Travolta. <laughs> wow! I really threw you our for next a leading Fraser. <laughs> Um, vehicle, and he's not the lead of this movie, but he's pretty, you know, prominent. Prominent um, supporting. Since Passion of Darkly Noon, we've kind of done three little cameo movies. That's uh, right. Between Glory Days, Now and Then, and Kids in the Hall, Brain Candy, uh, plus our interlude for Paradise City. <sighs> uh, Mrs. Winterborn is his next, um, you know, prominent role, uh, following Passion of Darkly Noon and The Scout. Yeah, I was. And it is, I would say, the most casually <laughs> insane bug nuts movie I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Winterborn? Yes, maybe the most casually insane. It is. Um, very, I would say you have to preface it with casually insane. Yes. This movie does not think it's insane. No, it does not. This movie's not. like, oh, this is a charming romance. Right. Yeah. This is, movie is fucking re- in bug nuts. <laughs> <laughs> like, the conceit of, the central conceit of this movie, there's so much happening to get there. And the movie's just like, oh, isn't this charming? I'm like, No! No, it's not charming at all. It's crazy. It's actually really disturbing. Yeah, it's upsetting. <laughs> yeah. I, we're going to get into it more. I, you know how I first found out this movie was going to be Bug Nuts? Reading the fucking description. <laughs> you read? I did not read the description. <laughs> oh, my God. The HBO description. The HBO. This movie's free on HBO Max. Yes, folks, it is. Folks, okay. And so if you, I want you to direct your attention. If folks have HBO Max, please pull it up now. Or you could just do it maybe through IMDb. But the HBO Max description really sent me. Because I had never seen this movie. I never heard of this movie. Um, so I just, you know, look up HBO Max and I click, type in Mrs. Winterborn and it pops up. And this is the description. 
Alone and pregnant, Connie Doyle boards a train where she meets Patricia Winterbourne, who is on her way to meet her in-laws for the first time. When the train derails, killing Patricia and her husband and her unborn child, Connie is mistaken for Patricia. And the rest of the story happens from there. Yes. Now, I just want you folks to really realize and understand that this movie does not waste a fucking second on us mourning over a dead Brendan Fraser. Well, well, you're getting really ahead of the horse here. A dead Brendan Fraser's wife and a dead Brendan Fraser's wife's unborn child. Um, we are not like the movie does not spend an ounce of time talking about it at all. No, not an ounce. So, this movie, Mrs. Winterborn, is a um, I would say a romantic drama. I wouldn't say it's a com- it's not comedy. <laughs> It's like, like what it's the, whimsical. They're trying. It's a romantic dr- dramedy. Yeah, it's a romantic dramedy. It's based on the book "I Married a Dead Man," which, uh, is... which is published in 1949, which is a crime novel. Yes, uh, this is not a crime movie. No, it's not. So I imagine that this just took the central conceit of that book, um, and kind of turned it into a romantic movie. Well, and it it's adapted from novelist uh cornell woolrich which if you know like any of the movies that his pieces have been adapted from we're talking about pieces like rear window um and cloak and dagger and mrs winterborn mrs winterborn like this is the thing is this like this guy wrote um crime novels and murder mysteries and there are many classic, like Rear Window, classic movie as that is, uh, adapted from one of his novels. And then we're getting a fucking whimsical romance dramedy off of this guy's novels. Yes. Like, I really have to wonder. And there was a 1950s film um, made from the same novel before this movie um, called No Man of Her Own. Yeah, it's based on the same book, and it's a noir. And it's a noir, yes. Um. So yeah, drama, film noir, romance, and so this is like I I have to say, Jeff. Like I've been holding this back for a while, but it's like it's one of the keen problems of the mid to late nineties. Everything has to be fucking happy, and everything has to happy. Well, everything has to be shoehorned to be happy. Everything has to be like really like. Like, well, the the ni- the ninety what are you talking about? The nineties are all depressing. Well, everyone was so happy in the nineties, so all of the media starts being depressing. Like uh, like punk rock and Nirvana is all like everything bad. The Matrix is a movie about how everyone's happy, so something must be wrong. But I feel like there's a lot of movies like this. Yeah, in the nineties, where it tries to be too happy. Yes. Because America's in a great spot in the 90s. So a lot of media does reflect that. Man, what are your neighbors the doing? Up, the people upstairs are having a good time right now. Yeah, they are. Um, Whatever they're doing. They're moving stuff around. It's an attic, so they're just moving stuff. Oh, I guess that's right. You, do, you don't have upstairs neighbors. No, it's an attic. Yeah. It's a shared communal attic. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so this is, uh, this is a movie, Mrs. Winterborn. It's based on that book. It's directed by Richard Benjamin. Which hasn't uh, really done much else. 
He, uh, I mean, some of his movies um, are The Money Pit, which is, you know, Peter Griffin's favorite movie. Uh, made, of Ameri- made in America, uh, Catch-22, the original Westworld movie. Yeah. Is, uh, um, oh, he's a- he acts in the original Westworld movie. He did not direct it. My apologies. He was an actor before he became a director. Well, I was seeing most of his credits are um, acting, not directing. Yes. He has much more acting credits than he does yeah. directing credits. In terms of directing, his biggest movies are The Money Pit and Mrs. Winterborn and Made in America. Yeah. Um, so he's not necessarily the most notable director, um, but he know he does get a shot with this movie. Uh, this was in the '90s where you could, you know, get a shot on a movie even if you didn't have like an incredibly marketable like career behind you. You could get a twenty-five million dollar budget to make a movie. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. No, doesn't happen. Um, where we catch up with Fraser in regards to this movie is that, like we said, he's been doing a lot of cameo stuff recently. Yeah, he's been doing a lot. Um, which is good for him. I'm not saying that as a slight. Like, he's, you know, doing a move, like a, a lead role every other year or every year, roughly. Well, and then he's pocketing yeah. it out by, like, he's notable enough at this point that he can do those, like, one scene roles in your glory days and your now and thens. Yeah. And then he can pop in for Kids in the Hall because he, you know, enjoys their show and does a scene there, show his comedic chops. Yeah. Well, and, um, and I would say. Before people think it's like, oh, he's taken like, you know, a few years off of doing a main role. No, no, no. Like, this movie's 96. Passion Darkly Nude is 95. Yeah. Like, he's doing like. He's doing a lot. He's doing a lead role a year with three cameo roles packed in between. Yeah. So, with hindsight, he's he's really doing like four projects a year. Yeah, he's popping off. Yeah. One dedicated project and then three like smaller projects where he like takes a week off. That's basically it. So, um,. His role in this is going to be interesting when we talk about it because, as I may have spoiled a little bit earlier, like he starts off as one role and then takes the role of another. Yeah. uh, Because there's a twin brother thing in this movie. Yeah, and I'm sure that I feel like that's probably what attracted Fraser to this movie. You think so? Is the idea that he gets to play two different characters. Even if one of them is a short (sighs) appearance, but I'm sure that's what attracted him. Yeah, I I think that could be true. The other thing I thought about was, oh, this is... uh, um, shit. This is a Cornell Woolrich novel adaptation. Yes, and so I can picture someone reading that and being like, "Oh, like this is a Coolrich, uh, a Cornell uh, novel adaptation. Like this is could be a really you know dramatic, thick piece of material for me yeah. to digest." Uh, it is not, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is not a uh, very uh, deep. Uh, piece of material yes for Fraser um, uh, he, yeah he doesn't have a lot to do in this movie no he I'm, does like, not. I'm pretty sure it was just like the that he got to play two characters what attracted him to it yeah. and he gets to be charming yeah and he's, he's good, good at being it. charming he's good at it yeah um, do you want to dive into the uh, the movie the plot I kind of want to just start talking about the bug nuts craziness the of bug it. nuts craziness of this movie uh sure so <laughs> We start with a prelude opening. Yes. About what what we're going to see. Of a dead body. A dead body. With several bullet holes. In a motel room. In a motel room. Watching a televangelist. Yes. <coughs> okay. So, uh, from what we've just yeah. told you. Yeah. Did you expect me to say those words? No. See, when I 
saw the movie Mrs. Winterborn. I thought I was going to see a Hallmark Christmas yeah, movie. Yeah, the poster of this looks like a Hallmark movie. A Hallmark And it Christmas starts with a dead body. In a motel shot, room. And then it cuts to a church. Yeah. And Shirley MacLaine, acclaimed actress as she is. It was really uh, good in this movie, by the way. good in this movie. She's really He's good. hanging outside the church, and two cops come up, and they're like, do you know anything? She's any- next to a priest. Yeah, and they're like, do you know anything about this? Um, Steve. Steve. Dacuzzo. 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 Dacunzo. Dacunzo. And she's like, oh, yeah, I shot that MF. Mrs. Winterborn appears. Winterborn. Appears in, like, the Terminator fire. Yeah. But no, that is actually what happens. Is she's like, oh, yeah, I murdered him. Uh, of course, I know him. I shot him. And then we cut, cut back. back to Ricky Lake. Ricky who plays the lead Lake. character in this movie. He plays Connie Doyle. Connie Doyle. Ricky Lake, um, who originated the character of Tracy Turnblad in the original Hairspray movie. Ooh. The movie before it got turned into a musical. Before the, that musical then got turned into a movie that we've also covered on this podcast. You're right. Right. It's interesting. So, like, you know, we immediately get that, like, voiceover narration. Like, hi, I'm Connie Doyle, and this is how my life is. I grew up in a sad family home where my mom died when I was young, and my dad and I didn't talk to each other. So when I was 18, I moved out of the house, and then I was on my own in the streets of New York City. And that's where I met a guy named Steve. Steve and I were best of friends. And while we were best of friends, he took really good care of me. Until then... Few months in, I got pregnant, and then after I got pregnant, and then we're back to the movie where she talks to Steve about being yeah. pregnant. And Steve's like, "The movie uh, rushes through all of that." Yes, that is made, <laughs> that I, is thirty seconds. I do like all the grimy New York City stuff. I like grimy New York City. Okay, uh, New York City isn't grimy enough anymore, and that's its biggest problem. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like I like like all the scum bums, and like when she's in like the little cafe in Times Square, and that's good. Um, I also like Steve's roommates because it's a bunch of like jamokes and they're all drinking Miller Lights it's and Tony PBRs meatballs. at like one in the morning, like two in the morning or some shit like that. Right. It's Tony Meatballs. Yeah, it's and... Tony Meatballs and shit like that. <laughs> uh, um, my God, they're crazy upstairs. Right yeah, now. I know. Uh, um, but yeah, so she tells Steve that he's, she's pregnant. He's like, eh, it's not, it's not my kid, is it? Whose kid is it? Who you been sleeping with? Right, and, uh, and he talks to one of his guys. It's like you've been you've been knocking up Connie, and the dude looks like oh, I've been knocking her up, and he kind of winks at him. It's like, oh yeah, Connie and I have been going back all the uh, time. It's like get the fuck out of my apartment, you, sl- you whore. Yeah, and so everyone talks so New York in yeah, this. Yeah, so movie. she's kicked out of the apartment. She's homeless. She's homeless, she's pregnant, pregnant, broke. We do like an eight months later jump, and she's like very big at this point. Very, yeah, well, very she advanced. Been sleeping. Uh, she says she describes places that she'd been like hopping between. Stayed at the Y or something like yeah, that. Yes, so she stayed at the Y for a little bit, but this was going to be her first night homeless. Yeah, she goes back to Steve, um, who it's like throws, you owe me a fucking cocksucker. Yeah, and she throws a and he throws a quarter at her, and then he turns to his new girlfriend. It's like you ain't like, gonna. I don't dump, know who she is. You ain't gonna dump me like that, broad. It's like, yeah. Okay. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then she decides to go to Grand Central Station. Yes. Where, I don't know, she goes there to sleep or find a spot to sit down. A homeless guy tries to help her. It's like, there's a good place 
where, you know, they pray at you, but the food's okay. Yeah. So she takes that, and then she tries to get to the subway, but she's too stupid, and she doesn't yeah. know that Grand Central Station is not the subway. It's instead the train station that takes you to different places across the country. Well, I think Grand Central Station also has a subway. I think it connects it's, the subway. It's distantly connected. Because you have to, like, go through different weaves of tunnels to get through the subway that yeah. takes you to Grand Central. But the immediate tunnels next to Grand Central are... Yeah, the out-of-state. The out-of-state lines. Or the out-of-city. Right. And so she gets... I, I, I would, described this. I wrote this down as she gets home alone too on a train to Boston. Yes. <laughs> She's, like, literally caught up in, like, the flow of the crowds. And that They're all up. running to a train. Yes. None of these people know how to get to their train on time because yeah. they're all sprinting down this hallway. Like, a zombie apocalypse is coming after them. And she gets like, yeah, balled up. Yeah, and she gets stuck on a train to Boston. Yeah, I'm heading on up to Boston. I'm heading <laughs> to Boston. Yeah, <laughs> I'm heading up to Boston. I do want to say, Stuart, we're gonna be able to stay real on top of the plot for this movie because some some soul wrote this. Oh description my God. of this movie. What super fan is out there? There, It is like no joke. Is there someone paragraphs. credited as writing the whole plot? If I went into the uh, the Wikipedia thing, I can find out, but I have no interest in doing that. I want to know which super fan is out there covering the, the all Mrs. this. Mrs. Winterborn super fan. It's probably uh, Richard Benjamin. Right. Um, um, yeah, she gets Home Alone 2 on a train, and of course she has no ticket. Yeah, and so like the ticket taker is like, ticket Question. Yes. Why do they wait for people to be on board a moving train before asking for the fucking tickets? To keep the uh, the speed. They don't have enough time to check the, check the tickets before they take off. But what are you going to do if you don't have a ticket? Kick them off. While they're moving? Well, you throw them off at the next stop, and then you char- or you charge them for a ticket then. What if they got no money? Um, Do you see the logical fallacies with all of this? No, but that's that's actually what happens in real life. It seems like it causes more problems than solves. I mean, normally they just like they charge you or hold you in contempt or something. Hold you in contempt? Yeah, of the train line. <laughs> of the train line. Of the scepter. There's another car at the very back behind sure, the Have caboose. you ridden in a multi-state train? Yes. Because they don't get your... They do not take your ticket until like you're well down the line. That's so scary. I waited 30 minutes once before they took my ticket. I was almost at my destination. <laughs> That's so spooky. You can probably get away with it if you know how to play the system. That's really scary to me. Yeah. And so weird, but okay. Yeah. Uh, at the 11 minute, five second mark is when she's running away from the ticket guy and she runs into Brendan Fraser. Yes. Playing Hugh, Hugh Winterborn. Winterborn. And my, my, my. He's looking good. Yeah. Is looking. He's kind of dressed like a hippie. Pretty spicy. Do you hear me breathing heavily? And it's not because I'm fighting off a cold, folks. That's because Hugh Winterboard in this movie. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. Oh boy! Oh boy! Has got the juice. Did you want to hair rank? Let's did... hair rank Hugh Winterboard. There's going to be two hair rankings yes. for this movie. Now, granted, I almost don't really need to because his twin brother Bill Winterboard. It's kind of normal hair. Yeah, it's just the normal hair. But Hugh Winterborn. Hugh Winterborn, he deserves his own ranking. Do you have a photo of 
let me I'm gonna try to pull up a, a Hugh Winterborn um, a photo up here if I can ah uh, uh, there's only let me see if I can find this uh, find the Hugh Winterborn photo stand by my friends and family while I'm looking for the Hugh Winterborn photos uh, oh my I'm goodness. having a trouble finding it, Jeff. <clears throat> You're having trouble finding it? The Hugh Winterborn photos. Uh, Hugh Winterborn. Uh, images. Uh, oh, found it. Here we go. This is exhilarating waiting for you to... Did we cue the music yet? Yeah, we cue the music a while okay. ago. Couldn't remember. Uh, here's, the, here's the photo. My, my, my. I have a question. That looks too good to be a wig. Wait, let me see this. Do you, what do you think? It looks too good to be a wig. The hair, the, this is real, like the hair on top. Oh, I think maybe they added attachments the to yeah. the back. Yeah. Because it's kind of got like a mullet going. A little bit, yeah, but it looks good in the glasses. You got the little yeah. swish. You winterboard. Looking fine in this movie. All right, open up the list. I got it open. Oh, you got it open? Yeah, my, my laptop died, so it'll be on my phone. Oh, okay. Uh, can I, I just want to see what's... It's going to be a number one above the scout. Oh! Hugh Winterborn is number one. Now, I know it's going to be topped by other things in the future, but like as of right now, like we have the scout. The scout's yeah. like pretty good hair, but like Hugh Winterborn is a fine fox. He is a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking guy. And when we get to Bill, I mean... I almost wish I didn't have to rank two hair rankings, but like there is technically two Brendan Frasers yes, in this movie. There are two Brendan Frasers in this movie. I mean, double the Fraser, double the fun. Um, what what what's up? What you it doing? Keeps like turning itself. Here, no, no, no. I, I got it. I'm gonna fight. No, no, no. We See, stop doing it. Is it oh, good? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Uh yeah, and he's help. He's helping Connie. So yes. like he said, he's like, oh, this is my wife, and he gives yeah. the conductor this is like, my the, wife. This is, I don't know, it's not how we sound. Uh, it's not. We're just really loopy at this point, yeah. guys, because we talked about kids in the hall brain candy for forty five minutes, and now yeah. we're getting to Winterborn, which is I, I, we still have not revealed the conceit of this movie, and I'm very excited to get to it. I'm very excited too. Okay, so Brendan Fraser plays Hugh Winterborn. Is with yes. um, he says, oh, why don't you come to the car where me and my wife are? Um, yeah. and my wife. Says, and you could stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> and so she follows him to the car, and that's where she meets Patricia. My wife! Patricia Winterboard, who Remember is... Remember saying my wife was the funniest shit in the world like 10 years ago? What? When you could just say my wife like Borat, and everyone would be like... <laughs> I don't remember that bit. It was a great time in human history. Was it? Yeah, it was like you could just say quotes, and people would laugh. It was crazy. Have we really dived far enough away from that time? Well, I, I feel like feel, you could still do that. Yeah, but there aren't as many like quotes you can just walk up to people and like I can't walk up to someone and be like Prestige Worldwide, and then there's like ah! ah. I feel like it's TikTok like, audio. It, it used now. to be that everybody would watch the same comedy movie, and then you just say lines from it at random people for a year. Now it's uh, trending vines or TikToks. Vine. Well, Vine's Holy dead. Shit, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Dated uh. myself. Um. But like it's TikToks and Instagram reels. TikToks. TikToks, TikToks. That's that's what it is now. People are going around and be like, I wanna kill my mom. You know that that TikTok one? No. 
There's a kid that like on TikTok. Stuart, you know I don't have TikTok. I know you don't, but there's like. A, oh my god! Do not bring it up. No, I, I bring it up. I'm changing the subject. No, I bring it up. Okay. I'm so Fraser's playing a nice guy. Mom. I'm gonna kill my grandma. Oh no, that's not it. Okay, fine. Whatever. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So pe- people are running around quoting that and laughing at it. You can run around anywhere and just go up to someone and be like, I want to kill my mom. And people will start laughing. Yes. Anyway. Okay. Um, so she meets Patricia Winterborn. Yes. Who's also pregnant. Nine months pregnant, yeah. like Connie is. Yeah. And they're just. <laughs> I made a face to each other. <laughs> and Hugh, um, and Hugh like checks in on them. And he's like, "Oh, it's so nice you guys are meeting each other." Yeah, and, and they bond. Patricia and Connie get along really well. They bond for like an hour. And and Patricia sees that like Connie's been soaking out in the rain. She's like, "Oh my god, you're so try on my dress." Yeah, try on my dress. And then Connie, uh, Patricia drops her wedding ring, and Patricia helps her pick it up. And then she's like, "Oh, try it on." And Patricia tries it, or Connie tries it on. And then, do you see where this is going, folks? And then. This movie goes from like a regular Hallmark five movie. to one thousand. It goes full invincible. It turns into a horror movie for one scene. It goes full. Um, you mean Unbreakable? Oh fuck, you're right. You're shit. <laughs> um, it took movie, you like, ten seconds, like, to make oh, that connection. Like the whole train just starts going. Everything like, goes batshit like, crazy. Flashing lights. Patricia gets sucked into the bathroom and the door slams. <laughs> like, like, you see that? She's like, yeah! her arms out from her blood chair. spews ah! out of the ventilation the shaft. The door shuts. It's like flipping up and down. Connie's flying around this room. Lights are flashing. The whole thing's shaking. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to black. We wake up in a bedroom, in a hospital room. Yeah. Connie's baby belly is gone <gasps> she gave birth she's like oh, where am i where's my where baby? am i and this uh this nurse this, nur- this like nurture rat and ratchet sounded ass <laughs> comes in yes um, hello mrs winterborn and comes in and she's like hello mrs winterborn she's like i'm not mrs winterborn she's like uh the delir the delusions will uh cool off shortly and then she's like, I want to see my baby. Where's my baby? Where's my baby? <laughs> she's like, your baby's fine. And so they we, bring the baby we in. They have the baby. It's like, I want to see my baby. You're going to bring my baby here right fucking now. So they bring the baby in, and it says Winterborn baby. And she's like, oh. I'm, you gave me the wrong fucking baby. Yeah. What Where's hap- the baby? What happened to the other baby? And then but before she, she checks that on the ankle bracelet for the kid. Yeah. And then she looks on her own medical wristband, and it says Patricia, Patricia Winterborn. Winterborn. She's like, oh, no, there's been some mistake. She's like, there's another pregnant woman in the car with me. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you know her? And she's like, you, she died? You know Constance Doyle? <gasps> yes, she died. They're very casual about revealing her death. Yeah. And then they don't go into it anymore. What about the man that I was with? Yeah, and, and they're like, like did you know him, sorry. too? It's like, did, you? did? He died, too? <laughs> Folks! <laughs> Folks! <laughs> Fraser... And his wife killed off screen. <laughs> off screen. And they're just like, yeah, they're both dead. Um, but you're, you're fine. <laughs> but you know what the music is like? <laughs> and all the added, like, Connie does not seem 
that distraught. There's, she mostly just seems confused. Yeah. No one is really mourning the loss. Yeah, of I these mean, people. she didn't know them long, but still. But nobody else is mourning yeah. them. And then she gets a phone call um, from like. From Grace Winterborn. Grace Winterborn. Played. Who's who Hughes' mom. Played Shirley by Shirley MacLaine. And she's like, Patricia, with the loss of my son, you must come home. I must meet my grandson. It's like he's the only, he's like, you know, he's the only memory I have of Hugh. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's been a mistake. It's like, we got a car coming for you. A car? No, I, ma'am, you, you don't understand. Don't send the car. And it's like, <laughs> I'll be expecting you and hangs up. Yes. Jeff, tell me one reason why she wants to tell people she's Connie but can't. There's none. <laughs> exactly. Folks, this movie, this whole movie, the whole conceit of this movie is that she is conned into pretending to be the dead wife of Brendan Fraser. But then also, folks, Brendan Fraser has a twin. <laughs> Another Brendan Fraser. And you know what? She falls in love with him. <laughs> and he falls in love with her. Yeah. So the, the Stuart. <laughs> you you're aware. Yes. I am engaged to a twin. Yes. This would be the equivalent of if we both died in a car wreck. Yes. And they never met me. Her parents never met me. Yes. And then you showed up. Yes. <laughs> said you were me. Yes. So I can marry her twin. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's, That's exactly what would happen. That's exact that would be like if you and Becca were on a trade going back to Eau Claire, some fucking place, Wisconsin, and literally I was on the train and I'm homeless, and you just found me. Yes. And it was like, come and you know, yeah. be with and me the and train my fiance. Fucking unbreakable. Um, and then because Rebecca Mr. goes Glass, Mr. Glass so blew up the be, train. You would be here trying on your clothes. Yes. And then I put on your wedding ring. <laughs> <laughs> and then the train fucking crashed. And I you died. You and Becca died. And then I woke up and fucking her sister's there. <laughs> and you're like, all right, all right I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm Jeff. That's Holy literally shit. the exact premise of this movie. Holy shit. Folks, that is just... I, I, what is going on? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> like, what is... At any point, she, she's like, oh, it's so hard to tell them that I'm not their daughter-in-law and this is not their grandson. And I was like, isn't it so nice she gets brought into this family? And I'm like, yeah, it's great. You know what's even better? She just told them at the start. Right. But why doesn't she tell them at the start? I don't know. Exactly. Because she doesn't want to no, no, break no. Their, hurt their feelings. That's my whole problem with this whole yes. thing. Is she tries to tell people multiple times throughout this movie, but either she can't get the full fucking sentence out or they don't let her speak. And it's just like the whole premise of this movie is... For no fucking reason. Yes. She could have said three words, and if anybody bothered to listen, they would have discerned. It's like, oh, she's trying to tell us that she's there was not. a mix-up. There was a mix-up. But then, like, it would have broken the family's heart. But she could have been honest from this onset. Yeah. But then, because like the lie went on a little bit too much, a little bit too long than it should have. Yes. And then that sort of started the course of okay now I can't ever tell them yes it's so stupid yeah. and so she winds up at the um don't you think they're gonna know when the baby grows up and doesn't look anything like him well at the end of the movie they all they all find out and they're all like oh well, that's fine 
You can you can marry the other one. Oh my god, this movie's so strange. Very strange. Uh, but we meet the other Fraser. Well, first she gets picked up at the hospital by the family butler. Yes. Who we just simply need to talk about for yeah. a hot second. Yes. Let's let's talk about Paco. Yeah, we'll talk about Paco, who is like his bit is that he was Cuban, um, but he's gay. Yeah. And so he had to flee Cuba because they would put him in jail for being gay. Was that and, a real thing? Yeah, that's what they. I mean, I presume it was. It was heavily um, communist country. Uh, we've talked about this guy before, Miguel Sandoval, who plays Paco. He was in Get Shorty. Yeah. Uh, as the drug lord. Yeah. He's also in Clear and Present Danger as the drug lord. He yeah. was in the most recent season of Barry as the drug lord. Huh. But most importantly. He's Paco from. No, he was in Jurassic Park <gasps> as the guy. Oh, yeah. He's like. What are you talking about? He's like, Grant's like me. He's, he's a, a digger. digger. I can I don't know the rest of the Spanish after that point. But yeah. I can Yeah. And then it cuts to the, the raptor being brushed he's a good actor i like he's him a great good guy actor. uh he's actually rather good he's probably the best part of this movie yeah he's i like a, paco he's a, good guy okay. he's pretty good the movie's guy. too bug nuts crazy for me to yeah think this movie's too crazy and like he just starts getting thrown into it yeah um so it's a boy. She's making his born. Hughes dead too. No more fridge. If I to stay at the Hughes mother house, they're a yeah. wealthy family. They're a very wealthy family. And she goes to their house, meets the mother, uh, Shirley McLean as Grace, and then she looks upstairs, and who comes down the stairs? Brendan but Fraser. But another Brendan Fraser. What if this movie just kept having Frasers coming out of the woodwork? There's triplets. There's like seven of them by the Quadruplets. end. Quadruplets. It's like a clone. Quintuplets. Yeah. Sextilets. Uh, would it be sexlets or sextuplets or probably sexlets sexlets or sextuplets or sexlets yeah <laughs> sextuplet <laughs> but uh, then what, seven would be septuplets probably octuplets 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 yeah and then what's nine I don't fucking know because ten is deck right deck decatuplets so. I mean I'm gonna look if there's ever been a recorded case of ten children at once ten children born same time well there's been eight right octuplets um um it looks i think eight is the 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 record eight's the record. eight is the record because that was the octa octa octuplet mom octuplets right? yeah right right she gave eight i mean how how do you fit eight in there, Jeff? Uh, be, Jeff it it would be crazy. How do you fit eight? Look, here she is with all the other kids right now. Oh, my God. How old are they? Uh, are they all alive? Yes. Well, I mean, pardon, but purely statistical and probability facts. It's hard to keep all eight alive. Yeah, they're all going. And in fact, that they're all born at the same time, surely like one of them would have like health problems. They're all, they're all good. You're think. counting eight in that photo? There are eight in that photo. Let me count. Oh, my God. Let me fucking count. Here. Yeah, look, there's eight kids. And they're all okay. Nadia Suleiman. They're all happy. Yes. They're all happy. For fuck's sake. So you're trying to ruin this. No, I'm just concerned because eight children born at once, that doesn't sound like healthy. Well, I'm sure it wasn't, but, you know, they're all born. 
I'm happy for them. I'm happy if they're all healthy, if they're all happy, that's amazing. Power to them. That's amazing. That's awesome. It's really yes. great. It would be tragic if the, anything happened to any one of their kids. Absolutely tragic. They're 10 years. They are 13 now. No shit. Yes. How do you start that conversation? I and mean, they're not identical octuplets, right? Imagine the grocery bill. But they're not they're not identical. No. They're just fraternal yeah. twins. So like they don't look alike. But imagine that conversation. Yeah, here are my eight children. Imagine that conversation on a first date. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Oh, seven. Oh, like where are you? Are you the youngest or the oldest? I'm like uh, by a few uh, seconds here. By a few seconds, I'm like the middle. And they're like, oh, like so you have twi you're a twin? I'm like, oh, we're we're it's hard to say, but we're all twins. Like, well, what do you mean? It's like, you remember the story a little few years ago, the Octomom? Yeah, it's like, well, I'm one of her eight offspring. I'm like, oh, whoa. That would be so fucking cool if you went on a first date with one of the Octomom's kids. Yeah. Octomom, Dr. Octomom. How far are we straight from the light on this podcast? <laughs> Stuart, I tried to get us back, and this was, this was all you. Okay. Um, well, we started it because... Fraser has a twin. Yeah, he's a twin. Um, Bill. Billy. Bill Winterborn. Bill Winterborn. He seems cold and distant at first. He's cold. He's a businessman. He's a businessman. Picked up after their father. Straight to the point. And the movie for like 15 minutes turns into like the slobs versus snobs comedy. Yeah. Where like she's just, you know, authentic New York. She's Italian. Ah, you fucking cocksucker. Let me have the fucking corn of the cob. Yeah, she's like, let me grab the corn. And the servant's like, it's my job to carry this. (laughs) The servant oddly intense. Yes. Um, but it turns into this whole thing. The fam, like, uh, Mrs. Winterborn, Shirley McLean likes her, uh, cause she's like, I was, a, I came into this family from the outside as well. Uh, Bill does not cause she thinks she's a slob. And then there's a priest there. We don't have to get into that. Um, not simply not worth it. Uh, <laughs> Je- I, this is the first time I've seen like Jeff really like giving up. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no. Talking about like a movie. There's no need to go to this priest. <laughs> <laughs> they they ask they ask the priest she, because she says like, yeah, uh, this baby's gonna start crying if he's not near my tits, and they're like tits and tits. Oh, and Sarah McLean's like, oh, father, tits is fine. The priest is like, tits are fine, and it's funny to hear a priest say that. Yeah. Um. But, like, the next bits are all just, like, Bill trying to expose that she's not a high-class person. Right. I um, mean, like, she's... Well, uh, there's a funny bit where when Connie's in Paco's car driving yeah. to the house, and she's like, so, like, it's like, oh, Huey, it's, you know, Huey always had a thing for the blondes. And yeah. It's like, well, he got tired of that. And then when she shows up and... Bill and Grace are alone. They're like, she doesn't really seem like his type. Hugh's type. She was always into like blonde, supermodel, European type. Okay. But here's the thing I want to get into. Here's why I'm brushing past some of this stuff. Oh my gosh. So I want to get into how the hole she starts digging for herself. Yeah. Because she's coming up with shit. She's just making stories up. She's like, oh yeah, I never knew he had a twin brother. And then I was like, oh yeah, he talked about you all the time. And it's like, like, but I thought you, you oh, never yeah, mentioned it. We met in Hong Kong, you know, and then we got married in Paris. Beautiful Paris. <laughs> Starts making up all this shit. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh yeah, he talked about you all the time, father. And like, she she has had every opportunity to get out of this. It would have been awkward, yes. But she could have gotten out of this. Yeah. 
What is she like this? This but movie now is she's playing so a weird game. insane. She's playing a very weird. I game. just cannot fathom this movie. Yeah. Um. And then it's uh. Let me think. There's like the scene where um, they're at a they have a big party to commemorate the birth of the child and the first um their baptism. Yeah, they do the baptism. They name the they name the baby Hugh, uh, but she calls him Cookie. Right. Imagine if your name was Cookie. <sighs> your parents fucked you. Yeah. Um, the, I wrote down christening baptism scene yeah. kind of funny. What was funny about the baptism scene? Um, I don't think the baptism itself is that funny. Um, there was something about the baptism scene I found. Kind she of probably funny. Does, she probably does something authentically New York, and they're all like, "Oh, she's so crazy, isn't she?" Yeah. Um, but and the Jer- party afterwards, yeah, yeah, the party afterwards. Um, Sharon McLean gets up and performs Hugh's favorite song, yeah, uh, that she would sing to him when he was a baby. That she, Connie obviously yeah. does not know, and she's like, "Connie, come sing it with me." Uh, and so Connie gets up there and she kind of does like a, a riff on it. Yeah, every time you know Sharon McLean is a lyric, she's like, "I don't have enough money," and it's she's like, like you. She's like, "Yeah, you don't have enough." Oh yeah, I'm looking around. I think you do. She's doing some like Catskills comedy routine up yeah. there, and it, it, and like the people are obviously making fun of her. Yeah, um, but then she finally gets the lyrics and sings along. With yeah, her. and then Connie and Grace start walking away. This is a funny bit. Yeah, because like uh, it, I think it's one of Bill's girlfriends or whoever, yeah. where she she is laughing at Connie and Connie says "fuck off." Yeah, and then Grace walks by. It's like you heard her. Fuck off. <laughs> it's awesome. I love Shirley McLean. Sh- great in this movie. Shirley McLean is great in this movie. Yeah, as much as we're gonna dogpile and take a shit on this movie, like Shirley McLean yeah. is like untouchable. Yeah, she's, she's really great good. in this movie. Um, and then there's a co- little Connie makeover. They bob her. Yeah, hair. Connie's like, I don't. Th- I, I just think I don't fit in here. And Grace is like, What do you think? You look great. We just might have to change the hair and the makeup and the nails. In, in the and I, I was kind of like with this scene, yeah, because it's basically like you know she's not pretty enough to be with the rich. They have to do a ma- have a whole makeover scene, yeah, and they do have a whole makeover scene. They do. Um, it lasts for like four hours. Um, what's going on? The heat is being turned down in this uh, apartment. Thank God, it's gonna get really cold. In here Thank shortly. God, it's roasting in here. I'm a little chilly right now, Jeff. <laughs> you're wearing a long sleeve shirt. Yeah, put on a sweater. Why would I do that? Put Inside. on a sweater. Why would I put a sweater on indoors? That defeats the purpose. So you can be considerate for other people's temperature gauge. This is a 50-50 thing here. No, it's not. <laughs> you have two people arguing against you. Becca's in the room. <laughs> I don't know about that. I also, don't, I don't hear. I'm also just going to point out that when we do this recording, Becca's usually in their office. Yes. And she opened the door and she left it wide open to go to the bathroom. And I see on their desktop computer critical role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we all have a D and D. Yeah, this is a D and D podcast now. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're not doing a D and D podcast. Mrs. Winterborn. <laughs> Mrs. Winterborn. <laughs> but yes, I love that Beck has gotten really obsessed with critical role. Yeah. And uh, not our podcast. Yeah. Just to point that hate out. us. Yeah. Um, critical role is better than Travolting, I guess. Yes. Whatever. Um, uh, but she comes back and she's now like dressed like high society. Yeah. And then silly. Connie and Bill go out on the town. Yeah. Bill is set out with Connie and they get along really well. Yeah. It's a great bond. They have like team. one date. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's she a, helps Bill kind of cope with the fact that he lost his brother who he hadn't talked to much and he right. finally feels something. Um, there's a scene where 
she goes into a jewelry store and she wants to buy these pearls, but they're too expensive. And um, it's like, but your mother signed me up for these checks in my account. And like, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I want to, you know, use, use the money and Bill says, no, you should, you should get these for you. And so she's like, just sign the check. It's like, okay. And she rips out, a, pulls out her checkbook. She signs the money, but she signs Connie Doyle. Connie Doyle. Bum, bum, bum. And the movie very much, the movie doesn't hide the fact that Bill notices. Yeah. Because this is jumping ahead a little bit, but later in the movie, we're going to find out that Bill knew. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I knew. And the movie treats it like it's a surprise. Yeah. It's like, Bill knew? I'm like... Yeah, the audience knew that Bill knew. Yes. Because it was very clear that Bill noticed it when Connie signed the check. Yeah. Like, the camera literally looks at Bill looking at the check. So it was not a surprise to us. Yeah. At all. Anyway. Um, so Bill and her start having a thing. Yes, there's a whole um, thing with Paco getting drunk and sad yeah, because... And he has them tango because his yeah. boyfriend left him. Yeah. Um, and then they kiss. Grace um, kind of has this background arc of her coping and like getting into alcohol and cigarettes <laughs> because she's coping with her son's death. Yes. Um, there's one very good impressive bit where she's smoking a cigarette. And she tucks it in her mouth. Yeah, and she sucks it in on her tongue. Yes. And uh, Connie's like, who's been smoking in here? And she looks <laughs> and Grace is like, and then she sticks her tongue out and the cigarette's just resting. I'm like, kind of impressive. That's kind of cool. It's a good move. Yeah. Um, and then she gets like, she's like, you know, I'm getting real close with this family. And I'm like, it's been one, it's been one week. It's been one week. It's been one week, fam. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, and then Connie decides to run away. Yeah. She decides to run away and they send Paco after her. A very weird thing to do if you're falling in love with the twin brother. <laughs> yes. She says to run away and, uh, to convince her to not go, Bill proposes to her. But she's like, I don't know what to do. And then um, she does run away and they send Paco. They send the butler after her instead of either of them going. Yeah. And Paco's like, you know, when I was in Cuba. <laughs> and it's like, okay, where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? <laughs> and, uh, it turns into this whole thing where he has to explain to her how like this family's good and he became part of the family so she can too. Yeah. Even though her husband's dead. I'm like, this is the prime moment. The prime moment for her to be like, I'm now with the family. <laughs> I'm not a winterborn. And she's like, I oh, know it's just so hard after he died. I'm like, no. Well, like, cause she says like, I'm not a winterborn. And Paco puts his hand on her shoulder. It's like, it's okay. I wasn't either, but now I am now. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And yeah, she doesn't cop up to it still. Yeah. It's so fucking strange. It's so strange. I, I don't get it. Um, But then Bill and Connie get married. Do we get married? She comes back. Um, Grace had a heart attack off screen. Yeah, she did. Um, but she's fine. She's still at home. They didn't bring her to the hospital. Yep. Nope. Weird. <laughs> um, but Bill, she agrees to marry Bill, who is now at like a full one eighty, and is now just basically Hugh, in terms of personality. Yeah. Um, there's a weird scene where they rewrite the will to include her, and she's trying to convince them not to, and the whole scene's eighty yard. Uh, nothing she says matches her lip movements. It's very oh, strange. Oh, shit. I don't know if they just forgot to get the dialogue that day. Maybe. But it's all with her. All of her lines are ADR'd. It's very wow. strange. Interesting. I didn't catch no. that. But yeah, she's been with this family for one week. And they're getting married. Uh, they have a little a party to celebrate the marriage announcement. 
Because it's established that every time something, anything happens, they have a party. Because they're rich. Because they're rich. So they have a party, and then who shows up? Steve. Steve! <laughs> Remember him? He was dead in the opening frame of this movie. The ex-boyfriend is back. Um, yeah, we're going to find out how he died. This movie is like a murder mystery, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it tries to be. This whole movie is about who, who killed Steve. Right. Well, he blackmails Connie. Yeah. And he's like, you're going to bring my kid to me. And then he, she, so she does that. And then she, he makes her write a check for $50,000. And then he forges a plan to kidnap the baby and hold him ransom for, for a million. million. And then she's like, you're fucking crazy. you bug nuts. If you think yeah. I'm going to do that. Yeah. It's like, what's the matter <clears throat> with you, huh? And then that night, Connie gets a gun and she's going to go to Steve's uh, apartment or motel and kill yeah. him. But she gets there. And she opens the door, and what does she see? He's already dead. He's already dead. Woo! And then who else is there? Bill comes Bill out. is already there. It's like, did you kill him? It's like, no, I didn't kill him. I went, got here before you did, yeah. and I saw him, and he was dead, and then you were here. Well, this Bill thinks that she killed him. Right. And she thinks that Bill killed him. And then we see Paco's in the parking lot just loitering. And I'm like, did Paco kill him? But Paco did not kill him. No, none of them killed him. Is the twist at the end. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But then now it's the but wedding But this day. movie is like, already it has the most insane central conceit. This whole like really convoluted. And now there's a like, murder involved in it. What is going on? <laughs> what is happening? Grace is like, what is going on? Because <laughs> we go back to the wedding. We're right back at the beginning of the movie. And the two cops come up. And they're like, do you know Steve? He was found dead. And she's like, well, I shot him. And I do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and then they take her away. And then the priest runs back inside where Bill and Connie yeah. are in their wedding gowns. She's and like, outfits. we might have to delay the, the wedding. wedding. Your mother's <laughs> confessing to murder. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally how he says it. And then Fraser and Connie. Like, they run, run out. The wedding organ music starts yeah, they, playing. They're the, like, dude, the, or the, the organ like, no, sees them running the down organ, the aisle. Save like, the organ. They're like, save the organ. That's not, we're not we're not going yet. And so then they run out, and yeah. then they're like, no, 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 you don't. And want to she's see like it. mid confession. It's like and they I run over, killed. Steve. I killed him. They I do a Spartacus Steve. thing. Yeah, it's like I killed Steve. No, I, I took my sorrow for all to hear. And then Paco comes out. I killed Steve. Yeah, all four of these people are arguing about who killed Steve. The cops are like, what is going <laughs> on? What is happening? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the police officer. Poor, and they're like, all right, where'd you shoot him? And they all say different parts of the body. He's like, when did you shoot him? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, why did you shoot him? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this is the How close were you when you shot? <laughs> it's insanity. It's insane. And the cops are like, well, you're all chuckle fox <laughs> because you know what? The murderers in the, the car caught him. <laughs> <laughs> and they just see a, a bone of the car tied up in the back seat. Where's this here about the check? I'm like, oh yeah, we forwarded. That's just a check I gave that guy. The guy's like, thank you. Seeing as there's a confession fire sale around it's like, here. Next time I murder somebody, I hope I have a family like you guys around. Yeah. And the cops go away, and then they're and then kind of like, well, who did murder? And they're like, oh, some ex-girlfriend uh, knocked her up and dumped her. And so she goes over, and it's the girl from earlier who pr made a promise with Steve never to leave her. And of course, and guess what? Steve left her, and she killed him for it. Yeah. And Connie and her kind of have a moment of solidarity. And she's like, one like, of us was bound to whack him. Yeah, she's like, I whacked the bastard. 
Um, but then, but then Connie's like, yeah, it really sucks. We have a lot of kinship. Anyway, I'm going to go get married to this like Rockefeller S rich family. Uh, you can, and you, and you have a great time in you prison. You have a great time in prison. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to hire her the best fucking lawyer. The one that says that you did it because you had to sort of yeah. defense. Yeah. It's so funny. It's very funny. She's like, have a good time in prison. Um, a fire sale on confessions. Yeah, that's <laughs> Sorry, a good that line. was a quote that I wrote. Yeah, I, I already said that. that yeah, good. Uh, this baby has some fucking screen time. Oh yeah, this baby's in this movie. It it made me think about. It looks all, really unsettled. Well, it looks very unsettled. They do a lot of crazy things with this fucking yeah. baby, and it made me think it's like the amount of times the baby is in this movie. They definitely had to have like duplicate. Oh babies. yeah, they look dif- the baby looks different in every scene. Yeah, it does. And so it just made me think of like the logistics of scheduling these babies. Yeah. Well, you get twins. Right. That's usually what they try and do is they get a set of twins. Yeah. But like even twi- one of them has like a 7 a.m. call time. And the other one comes in at like 4 p.m. Right. Well, you can only use a baby for like two hours. Something like that. Some crazy. So no. you have and this baby's in a lot of the movies. He's acting. So they pro- He's a big time actor. So they probably had to book like six babies a day. Yeah. I'm mad fucking six babies a day. Cranking them out. It's like a baby factory. The octuplet mom? It's a fucking baby factory in this production house. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, the casting manager is just like pulling her hair out of her head. It's like, Connie, what's wrong? It's like, I got to fucking book six babies on this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Got to use a baby all day long. (laughs) So we got to fill in the window. My poor cookie. Oh, man. Anyway, God. they get married. Bill and uh, Connie get married. Yes, they get married. And Connie and, is brought into the family. And, and they do this thing where it's like, do you, Patricia Winterborn, take Bill Winterborn as your husband? And she's like, Incest? no. Wait. She says, I, Constance Doyle, take Bill as my husband. And then it's a grant. Like, okay, we'll fucking take it. And then they kiss. And then the movie ends. You know what um, is strange? What is strange? Um, that she marries her. Say it. Actually, you know, I was going to say it, but then I'm like, it's actually not that strange in the final iteration. I was going to say, it's strange that she marries her dead husband's <coughs> brother. Then I'm like, actually, she doesn't because she's not actually married, married to yet. him. So it's like less, if she's just been honest the whole time, Significantly less. It's strange. more strange to the family. Yeah, she Hunter Biden's his ass. Um, it's more strange to the family. Yeah, that their son's twin brother is marrying their dead son's yes widowed wife, and they're all chill with it. And, and then, and then Grace is like, "Oh, I wouldn't mind another four or five of these kids." She's like, "Yeah, fuck my son for all he's worth." <laughs> oh my god! But that's the end of uh, Mrs. Winterborn. Weird fucking movie it's just like grade a strange bozo shit (laughs) very weird and the movie doesn't treat it like it's weird movie treats it like it's completely normal stuff then he's like isn't this so charming isn't this so nice uh we do have to rank um oh the bill Bill, hair bill hair the winterborn bill i mean it's very regular hair so why don't we put it um Above younger and younger, below the passion of darkly noon. Above your, yes, okay, there we go. Yeah, I think it's pretty regular. So it's a new number ten. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, do you have any context or post text for? Um, 
So this movie doesn't do well. Of course it doesn't. Shocker. There we go. So th- this movie comes out um, in the year of our Lord, 1996. Um, $25 million budget. <clears throat> makes $10 million, uh, Losing 15 off that budget and probably much more. Um, it gets blasted in reviews. Um, it gets a B cinema score. So not even like audiences are that big of it. Um, everyone who sees this movie basically like says the same shit is that the tone of this thing is so strange that just does not make sense. Yeah. Like, like here's a review. You'll be saying no Ricky instead of go Ricky like this always. You'd be like, no, stop, (laughs) stop. Don't do that. (laughs) Oh my God. That's too funny. That is like, oh my god. Uh, but yeah, this so this movie loses money, and does not get good reviews. Um, it unfortunately does hurt um, Ricky Lake's career. Sharon McLean's an established like star at this point, so she really doesn't have that much um, to lose from this. Mm-hmm. But Ricky Lake, you know, she had um, she was kind of riding off of this in hopes of like you know having a greater film career. Yeah, because before this, Ricky Lake was mostly known for like TV shows. She was known shows. for Hairspray. She was yeah. known for Hairspray <clears throat> and then she'd like, where she's, you know, the lead character. Um, but this is in terms of, you know, her career, her first like next big role. Yeah. And she put a lot into this movie um, and it doesn't pan out for her. Mm-mm. And she basically is stuck with TV and reality shows for the rest of her career. Yeah. Which, like, she seems happy doing. Like, she's still making good money, and she's still doing well. Yeah. But she doesn't really get... And I think she's fine in this movie. She's not, like, incredible, but she's fine in this movie. Yeah. Um, but she never really recovers from the uh, failure of this movie. Mm-hmm. Fraser, um, thankfully, gets out pretty unscathed. He gets decent reviews for this, and um, you know, a lot of people say, like, it's a, it's a waste of his talents and whatnot. He should be doing more... Which is what a lot of vibes are at this point, is that, you know, Fraser deserves better. And he'll be getting it very soon. He will be. Um, yeah, I don't know if I really... I mean, he wasn't a problem in this movie. Yes. I'll say that. He he really, he isn't a problem. Yeah, he isn't, like, something that I... He's good in both roles, and I'm sure he enjoyed the ability to play um, two different guys. Yeah. I mean, it's not much of an acting thing, because, like, it's barely. It's barely. Yeah. Really that much um um and we are three movies away from the coup de gras george of the jungle yeah the movie that kind of uh reestablishes him as an action movie star and then jeff yeah it's, it's like, all bangers it's after back to back back to back to back bangers after that it's all bangers george of the jungle gods and monsters blast from the plast the mummy let's not get too much into it yeah. Let's not get into it right now. Why not? Because it'll be fun when we get to those things. Okay. Copy that. Um, But yeah, his uh, his career, you know, really, he's still notable at this point. He's doing some stuff, but that's when his career really takes off. And we're getting ready. We're getting very close to engine liftoff. Yes. Uh, but before then, we do have, um, do you have any final thoughts on Mrs. Winterborn? No. We, I think we summed it up. I don't have any final thoughts on uh, Mrs. Winterborn. Yeah. Um, next week, uh, you can tune in, and we'll be covering another movie in similar vibes to this uh, called The Twilight of the Golds. 
<laughs> what? The Twilight of the Golds. What? It's a family dramedy. Um, All the Golds want is a picture-perfect family. Yes. Look uh, at this fucking grin on on Fraser. <laughs> Look at this fucking grin. <laughs> it's kind of Joker-esque. Oh, I like this fucking bread. <laughs> <laughs> do you know that oh TikTok audio? No. I, why would I do know that? Do you like the bread? Why would I know that? Do you like the bread? Okay. So this movie. Um, this fucking bread. Tune in next week for an episode on the Twilight of the Golds. Um, and seeing as we're done with Mrs. Winterborn, I'll just simply say thank you so much for listening to this episode on Mrs. Winterborn. Make sure to please rate, review, and subscribe whatever platform you're listening on. As a reminder, we are available on Spotify, Podcast, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop into our Twitter or Instagram, uh, at TravoltingPod, Reddit, r slash Travolting, email TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Jeff W. Sweeney. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, at Stuart And as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for the graphic design for this episode and the show, and Michael Van Bodegum-Smith for the theme music that is taking you out right now. Have a great rest of your week, folks, and see you next time for Twilight of the Golds. Okay.